principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Still sorting through my stuff here this morning, Quaid. We got... Going That's at a it, big uh, mess you got over there. A little, little late here today. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quay, joining this oh. uh, this big old mess. I printed uh, something. Did you get what I printed, too? Ben, yeah, no, I don't use that printer. Oh, okay. Well, then I've got something that I printed, but it can wait until Ben Let's comes see, on. Did this? Oh, this is already uh, this. is already this. All right. Yeah, lots of stuff for Ben Yout this morning. Mm-hmm. The Illinois Watchdog going to join us uh, here on the morning meeting. Um... You want to start with uh, sex or dirty money this morning? They're not the same thing. This is dirty. They can be. They can be. Oh, you finally got your stuff? Yeah, apparently this is a pages worth of stuff that for men here. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, that means that means that we won't have to start covering uh, in in detail the Kardashian jewelry heist on the show. What? Because Mary brought me my stuff. Yeah, we don't have to. With, with, you know, without that, we might have run out of things to talk about. I, that's not what I have here. Cover something. I know. We would have had to cover something oh. truly vapid, okay. you know, at that I point. I understand. So, yeah. So, good. I'm glad that we won't have to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday, I uh, ended the show, and uh, we teased in the promo for today that the Supreme Court is in the, the Supreme Court of the United States, not of Illinois, of the United States, is in the process of disseminating which cases that it will hear during this next session. There is an exhaustive list mm-hmm. that has gone up online, but one of the uh, cases that it has decided not to take up, that has to be the best part about being on the Supreme Court, isn't the lifetime appointment or the notoriety or the cash or the sweet black robes. It's that you get to decide what you'll hear and what you won't hear. You give it the competence thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do you decide that? I hope that's how they vote. When like they're sitting around, hey, are we going to do this one or not? You think there's the dramatic sideways thumb? They all start with the sideways, the sideways thumb, and then, and then they give it maybe uh, the fake, maybe uh, go a little up. Oh, uh, give it the shit. You never. I mean, yeah. I, I do they do this, this based is going on? This sounds so ageist, okay? But it's it's not meant to be that way. But you know, at that age, some of them are, they they might think they're fake, but they just have the shakes a little bit. <laughs> At that point. So they're not really trying to throw you off. So do you think these decisions are based on, obviously, it's there's a vote, but there's an even number of people right now. So mm-hmm. do you think that this is based on, do you think that this is based on desire to hear a case or is it based on uh, the law? That there are certain things that they don't think they need to tackle or should tackle i am not an attorney although i am willing to act like i have some of that knowledge i knew you were uh mostly because i talked to quite a few uh doing the things that i do mm-hmm. and while this topic has never come up uh, expressly the indication that i've gotten from that community is that it's believed that the supreme court selects cases uh 
that where they believe case law because you have legislative law which is passed by the legislature signed by the president and goes into effect and then case law that's determined on the court's rulings on cases that involve those laws that are created so you have case law where where that's not clear a lot of times you have okay they look at it and they, they say okay there's been a couple of cases or maybe this case has a mixed a, a mixed message or there's things going on that they, they, they tend to tackle things where there is no clear um, opinion, decision, because what they do often sets the tone for sure. all the lower courts right. in the country. So you have that, and then you have, uh, obviously, uh, issues that sort of wrestle with the moral conundrums of our times when they get those sorts of cases. Okay, so with that in mind, what have they decided thumbs up and thumbs down on? We're not going to go over the whole list. It, it is long. Well, I didn't figure you'd go through the whole thing. Long, but, but there, there have to be a, some things specifically that you wanted there to bring is, up. No, there, there is a case that they have decided they will not hear. Thumbs and down. And it's a case from Illinois. That's why I brought this up. This is something that uh, many were hopeful the Supreme Court would take up, but they will not. They will not hear the appeal from an Illinois sheriff who was ordered to stop threatening credit card companies who were doing business with a classified ad website called Backpage.com. On Monday, that was yesterday, the uh, justices let stand a lower court ruling that forbids Cook County Sheriff Thomas Dart from contacting Visa and MasterCard in order to attempt to disrupt what he sees as online sex ads that may have links to human trafficking. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this we was, made a big jump right there. Yeah, yeah. This isn't Craigslist where you want somebody to come over for, you know, a maybe adults-only encounter. This is something that... Uh, you're, you're, you're tying that, banks to this. Well, credit card companies and their banks. I'm not. That's what Cook County Sheriff Thomas Dart was doing. He was contacting Visa and MasterCard with cease and desist letters and what they called threats in order to try and disrupt their participation through the 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 uh, system of banking mm-hmm. for these uh, online sex ads that he says are linked to human trafficking at the website Backpage.com. Backpage then sued, sued the sheriff saying, look, he's illegally interfering with our ability to do business. And a federal judge sided with the sheriff, uh, but then an appeals court reversed that ruling. So they said he was interfering the federal appeals court said he was interfering with the due course of business uh, without the ability to prove that there was uh, something illegal going on here. So I'm, mm. I'm assuming there's an investigation still going on. He was trying to do this as an, in an effort to disrupt what he sees as an illegal business. This is this is a case that is is murky, and I thought it was going to be interesting because this case, if the Supreme Court would have taken it up, would have led to a larger conversation about the definition of powers, what can be done uh, by sheriffs or elected officials, uh, an elected official in law enforcement, uh, maybe during an investigation, after, on suspicion of. So I thought this case had a good chance to be taken up, but the Supreme Court has decided not to take that case up from from Illinois with Cook County Sheriff Thomas Dart. Uh, and it will let stand the appeals court that overturned the original federal judge's ruling that sided with the sheriff 
saying that his letters were protected by the First Amendment. But then an appeals court said, uh-uh, you're, uh, you're without, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Without, uh, without due process, you're interfering with somebody's ability to do business. So certainly there could be an investigation into well, whether I, this is two human different. trafficking or, or illegal in any way. Right, I think there's two different things here. You, you have what the sheriff believes is going on. Correct. And it would be the sex trafficking. But then you have the way he's going about trying to shut it down mm-hmm. or at least sh- shutter it in the at Chicago land area, yeah. right, uh, is, is in a way the, the courts have decided not the way you should go about this. So if, if there is something there, and obviously the sheriff thinks that, there's, that something is there, obviously sex trafficking is legal, so there's got to be a process by which you go about shutting this down this apparently just isn't the way. I mean, obviously, any way would be a way you would want to do it, but the courts, at least right now, in the United States of America, say this is there is a wrong way, and this is it. So that's one thing that the Supreme Court won't be taking up during their session. There are this, uh, this if, is if how just, vig- caped vigilantes get started, right? If you and and we, as cool as that is on the big screen and on Netflix, I would not advocate for vigilantism in our society. Well, I'm just saying it's you know when when you feel like Comic the, books the are system awesome. the system it won't act and mm-hmm. won't uh, get involved to stop uh, uh, you know something that you, you know you believe is going on. This is when that type of, type of stuff uh, tends to pop up. All right, we started with sex. Let's end this segment with money. Uh, this is more bad news for the Clinton Foundation. They keep trying to force the ball onto the uh, side of the tennis court where Donald Trump is talking about tax returns, mm. uh, talking about his, uh, uh, well, they're making allegations. The Clinton Foundation pay taxes. is it doing this. The Clinton campaign yes, the, and the, the media are doing, are doing this, this. Are doing this. And boy, it's great. It's a, always a great campaign mindset or a great mindset in general. When you don't want to be looked at, go on the offensive. You know, this is the old one. Accuse him of what you've done. Oh, sure. And, you know, that's, a, that, that's an old standby. Uh, now it has come to light that uh, even though Hillary Clinton's fingerprints may not be directly on this, that the uh, Clinton Foundation has a role that it played significantly in uh, easing a General Motors plant into Uzbekistan when she traveled there in 2011. Then, as the Secretary of State, uh, she helped smooth in a joint venture between GM and an Uzbekistan state-owned firm uh, for not only a State Department award, but also as a, uh, as a, as a sort of co-owned firm there that, that had government backing. That was after uh, GM had donated just shy of about a million dollars worth of vehicles to the Clinton Foundation for their use. Hey, it's the new norm. Yeah, it's, this is more pay to play is what the, is coming out of this now. So it's, it's the Clinton Foundation as middleman. Essentially. It's the, well, it, it's, the, it's the Clinton Foundation as the officially unassociated but essentially dark money arm of the Secretary of State's office. Hmm. You can't make a donation. It, it's illegal to bribe government officials. But you're not, you're not giving those vehicles to the Secretary of State or the Secretary of State's Department or the Department of Homeland Security. You're giving them to the Clinton Foundation, mm-hmm. which, of course, is wholly separate and would never, under any circumstances, right. lobby for anything 
lobby the Secretary of State or use the influence of the Secretary of State no, to no, lobby. No, 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 no. We just uh, uh, participate in projection. Uh-huh. It's also the old the the old uh, saw that uh, you start you know you you keep the spotlight on somebody else so that uh, your deficiencies uh, aren't brought to light. Well, and, and that's why that's why I was so intrigued when uh, British researchers this was uh, making the rounds in in one of our services uh, was it yesterday it had to be yesterday <laughs> British scientists have finally officially discovered something that that I've known and used to my advantage for a long time. And that is, if you you look better if you surround yourself with hideous-looking people. I did see that. Mm -hmm. So I had to apologize to all my friends on the air. They now know why I have them as friends. Well, this uh, brings our friendship into question now, too. (laughs) We don't do much, like, socially together, though. We, We usually tend to be, like hermits together whenever we get together we're, we're like we behind closed doors yes <laughs> we're, we're we're not cohabitating mm. we're cohermitating <laughs> so this is and, and and you know you bring this up and and you said it's 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 keeping the spotlight on the other guy but it also you see uh, politicians try to use this whenever they the old term would be mudsling it's making yourself look better through your competition looking worse unfortunately this is where you get the whole, uh, there are people right now with the lesser of two evils in their mind. And if you want to play that out in action as opposed to just words, I think that's what Sean's, Sean's uh, describing that's, right uh, now. Yeah, what we're looking at uh, right now too many times. All right, coming up this morning on the morning meeting, we'll talk to Ben Yount in just a bit. Who has promised to get feisty tonight? And Julian and, Assange? Oh, he tried to get feisty on the balcony last night and not much happened. And uh, who has turned... On the de facto party leader, because now it's time to make a break according to focus group testing. Coming up next here on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. And you're listening to the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, Quaid, alongside you. Uh, ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, going to join us in uh, just a moment here on the morning meeting. Are you ready to get a feisty tonight, Quaid? What? Am we going to get feisty? You're going to get feisty tonight on behalf of the man who will get feisty tonight on behalf of the Donald Trump campaign, Mike Pence. Oh, I don't know that he will feisty get feisty. Is. Feisty is the word I would use to describe. Pe- feisty, I could see Tim the last Kane word getting I would feisty. Use. Yes. I don't yes. know about Mike Pence. Pence. Pence, last word I would use. Pence is that steady hand. That's what he needs the to wheel. be. He's your DD. Yes. He's, he's, he's the responsible guy. Kane gets feisty. Tim, Mike Pence has said that he will show his feisty side tonight as he squares off with Tim Kane, the VP debate. Coming up, the, I'm just not that excited for this. Quaid's not either. He's doing arts and crafts right now as we do the the show. Look, you got to take time to do this when you when you have the opportunity. <laughs> Cutting up notepad paper over there. Yes, sir. All right. Never we'll know see. when you're going to need it. We'll see how this goes down tonight. Uh, essentially, the VP debate is you have two surrogates arguing on behalf of the top of the ticket, 
and showing that if the worst were to happen, that the country wouldn't just be effed. Now, sure, and but I think it's important in this case because there have been questions about Hillary's health. Uh, it's more important to me for Kane, not because something couldn't happen to either one, but because there is the topic of Hillary's health already out there. Yeah, that, and that's why I think uh, it's imperative that Kane show a, a, a Pence-like steady hand, if you'll allow that. So essentially, you want Kane to be Pence because Pence has said he's going to be Kane. No, or Pence, feisty. Pence anyway. has, I don't think Pence said he was going to be feisty. Did he? I think Mike it's other Penn, people. The headline, Mike Pence plans to show feisty side. That's not a quote. As he squares off tonight with Democratic Vice Presidential Those nominee. Those are other people putting, putting feisty words in his mouth. I mean that's 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 not a quote from him, but they're they're getting that. If Mike, you got to understand the if, Pence campaign. If that's Pence, Pence Trump. saying he's going to be feisty, you have to understand it's within the context of feistiness in a from a Pence perspective. <laughs> a gubernatorial, you know, high and tight. It it might be you know mm-hmm. crazy socks. Woo! Right, right. His personality I'm showing unleashed. At that point, yeah, I'm not wearing a tie right. tack. This is a guy who thinks, yeah, this is a guy who thinks a full Windsor is 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 you know casual Friday. Look at this, <laughs> you can't deny me. So feistiness that, that goes down tonight. Pick your favorite news network; uh, they'll have coverage of that. Meanwhile, this I thought was interesting. I want to see what prompted this because the Clinton campaign is not going to tell you that they focus grouped a series of uh, people and talked about what her campaign shouldn't be following up on from the Obama years. Uh, But they obviously talked to someone and then sent her number one out. Okay. Based on the information that they got. Bill Clinton uh, was on the campaign trail for Hillary in Michigan last night. And he he derided Obamacare as, quote, that crazy system where millions more people may have health care, but that those unable to qualify are getting, quote, killed. The people out there, this is a direct quote from Bill, the people out there, they're busting it. Sometimes 60 hours a week wind up with their premiums doubled and their coverage cut in half. Obamacare is the craziest thing in the world. They have now decided to break camp mm. no, well, with Obamacare as it sits. And I know that you're going to say that. No, this is savvy. Well, I know you're going to say this is pointing down the road to single payer. Yes, it's exactly where he's going. All you have to do is 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 read the moves three in front of where they're going. And you see the only thing that's different here is that in this case, he's just saying the plan itself is flawed. He's not pointing to the insurance companies and saying that they're the reason that this plan won't work mm-hmm. and you need the insurance companies out of it and let it be 100% government and will work. When you get to that message, we're now, they're we're going to do that ahead of an away. election. Mm, probably not. But that's not a winner. That's a that's that's straight out of the Sanders playbook and we know the effort she went through to to nip that in the Sure, bar. sure, but the 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 difference and I think what you're pointing out here is that He's referring to the plan itself as something that people are dissatisfied with. And we know that. Nobody's been for this. There was never a majority of people who were for this happening in the mm-hmm. first place. From from before it ever got brought into the into the realm of possibility. 
Nobody was for this plan. Mm-mm. People were against this plan. And then it got enacted with a, a, in a completely partisan way. And it's been exactly what we were afraid it would be. Yeah, the uh, comments that Bill made last night, you have Michigan, where he was, and then Minnesota, their neighbor. Both states recently agreed to huge price hikes in order to, what, convince insurance companies who are participating in the Obamacare exchange to stay in business because 75% of them have shuttered their doors in the exchange and gotten out. Because the timing isn't right yet. Well, they've gotten out because... They were losing their backside. Mm-hmm. And this was something that has been the opposite of everything that was promised. But they needed to stay propped up a little while longer. They do need it to stay propped up a little while longer. Not only uh, do the Obama devotees who are room temperature or less about Hillary, they would take this as a huge slap in the face if they start talking about cutting Obamacare while he's still in office in order to get her elected and to appeal to, uh, to that, some of that squishy middle ground voter who says they're not sure what they're going to do, but they know that they don't like what Obamacare has done to the system. And they think that those Obama legacyites will stay with Hillary. They'll either stay with Hillary or stay home. They're not going to flip and vote for somebody else. Yeah, uh, Maybe one or two really angry ones vote for Jill Stein. Ultimately, the plan is still the same. We're just talking about what labels are being thrown around right now. And how now. they're going to advance it. Down and, the how they're, and, and how and when they're going to advance it. That, that's, that's the beef right now. We'll see. The only thing at this point that would surprise me would be Obama coming out and saying, we got a few things wrong. Hillary's got it right. And sort of passing the torch. I don't think he does that. But you're right. He's, he's, is, he's concerned about his legacy. He, he wants is. these things to, this, to remain this intact. This is his, quote, domestic landmark policy mm-hmm. achievement. And uh, it, it was so hastily put together, so arm-twistingly forced through, that uh, now that it's actually been out in the wild and operating for a number of years, 75% of it has gone under. Was it just step one in a longer plan? to take us back to a, a British single-payer system that mm-hmm. was so bad for that country that they threw off those shackles and went to a, I would say, Western-style policy, but the pre-Obamacare-style policies and, and coverage is what they went to, and now they're seeing more success. Why do we want to repeat their failures? That's the head-scratching part for me. Despite your politics, why do you want to repeat that failure? Because we haven't tried. We're smarter than everybody else, and we can make it work. Breaking That's what news. it always is. Breaking news. No, you're not. All, all of these programs that have failed everywhere. No, but we haven't tried them yet. We could make it work. We could buck the trend of 100% failure. Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, We're we look super hard at the state of Illinois. We'll bring in our super big brain. <laughs> Yout, Illinois Watchdog, comes up next with us on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. We miss stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD.
It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you. Ben Yout, Illinois Watchdog, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Ben, so many things to get to this morning. Did you bring your mental running shoes with you? No, I, I don't run. I, I'm really good at driving a golf cart. Yes, I've, I've had to change my answer to that question over the years. Uh, it used to be I ran for fun and fitness. Now I run when I'm chased by police. Did Ben just say he's got I, Crocs? Is that was it Crocs, Ben? Yeah, I was. I rocked. I rocked Crocs oh. before they were cool and after they were cool. Listen, I, when I when I worked at the Capitol, those hard floors, I I would just black Crocs. It's not like I was wearing pink. Black Crocs, a pair of black socks under it. How many times do people actually look at your feet? Unless, of course, you point it out to them. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, for years, shorts and Crocs, I essentially was the barbecue dad <laughs> of the Illinois Capitol. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Ben and Andy Dufresne getting away with crazy footwear <laughs> in order to improve their life. All right, we will let you stay with the show for the rest of this segment and then reevaluate your role after this. Did you watch any of the uh, Kirk Duckworth debate last night? I know that uh, I did not. I saw about 35 seconds of the video stream sometime yesterday, and it put me to sleep. It, it, it was, it just is, is bickering and, and back and forth. It, it is like watching my high school children fight over Instagram over some sort of homecoming nonsense. Uh, this, is, this is a race that, while it is a marquee race, it is probably the, the, the biggest local race in Illinois. It, it, it should be driving the bus here on Election Day. I have found a grand total of zero people who are enthusiastic about this. I, I, I haven't found any Democrats who are, let's go vote for Tammy Duckworth. And, and absolutely no Republicans are fired up to vote for Mark Kirk. Hell, it's, it's enough to try and get people to say, yeah, I guess we got to vote for him. It is, it is one of these races that if you didn't tell people that they were running for U.S. Senate, I think most people downstate wouldn't realize they were running for U.S. Senate. Mark Kirk finally said something that I agree with, though, Ben. So I, I, I want to take at least this one second, as much Kirk bashing as we have done uh, on this show, when asked about uh, rising college costs in the country, uh, Duckworth said free community college and vastly reduced, uh, uh, essentially, government uh, uh, supplemented uh, funds for colleges for kids. Uh, Kirk actually had a thoughtful position and said, I worry that we're creating a new entitlement program and that we have to look to vote for people who don't just promise us free stuff. I mean, the entitlement program costs of this country are out of control. And uh, there were many founding fathers that said, look, as soon as people realize you can vote yourself the Treasury, the republic's over. And he's basically making the case against both of those things. Nothing is as expensive as when the government decides to make it free. Mm -hmm. Anyone who thinks that more federal government involvement in, in college, community college or university, all you need to do is look at the hot mess, the dumpster fire that is Obamacare, and realize that the federal government can't touch anything without screwing it up. Now, listen, Mark Kirk is great. You're right. I, I wish that he had the same entitlement mentality about the, the rest of his votes mm. in Washington, D.C. Uh, listen, Mark Kirk is the last, I really do think that he is the last, of these 1990s suburban moderate Republicans who are socially moderate, if not socially liberal, who are fiscally-ish 
conservative, kind of. They want to be nice. They want to help. They understand. I, I don't think that that Republican voter exists anywhere outside of a couple of really comfortable suburban enclaves. Most of the rest of the country has become very partisan because we have been through several pure partisan elections. And I, I think that, that Mark Kirk is, is trying to walk this line. And so while he says, yes, we don't need to create another entitlement program, that's great. He's, this is the only time that, that I've heard him speak about entitlement reform with, with, with anything more than a passing derision. Uh, again, Mark Kirk's best bet is that there are going to be a lot of Republicans who don't like Donald Trump but don't want to see the Democrats control the U.S. Senate, and maybe he can find those unicorns come November 8th. Ben Young with us this morning on the morning meeting. Ben, I want to take it back to colleges, uh, specifically here right. in the uh, land of Lincoln. I mean, here. we regularly... Where are we going? Are we going to Macomb? Are we going to Chucktown? We go... Cars are 19 in, in Charleston. Let's do it. <laughs> we... we, we... <laughs> We we could go anywhere or, or around the state. Enrollments at uh, post-secondary schools in the state of Illinois are down. We we talk about Mizzou having issues with enrollment, but it seems like almost every college in Illinois has uh, enrollment that is behind what it had uh, in previous semesters and years. But you don't hear a lot of panicking and shrieking from those schools like you had a year ago. Uh, when all of a sudden the money wasn't there, even though without the students, there's not going to be as much money. Yeah, this is this is the bubble. I, I don't want to call it a Ponzi scheme because I don't think it is as intentionally malicious as, say, pensions or Bernie Madoff. But colleges and universities did this to themselves. They they took all of that federal money to make college affordable, in air quotes and they just jacked up the cost of tuition. Now there is this balancing act between how many kids can you find, how many 19-year-olds can you find who can pay $25,000 a year to go to Western or to go to ISU or to go to Southern, who can make the grades, who can get the loans, who can do it for six years. Listen, if if you're going to be an engineer at the University of Illinois, go to school. Take out the loans and go to school. If you are going to go to law school at the University of Chicago or at Michigan, if you are going to get into a big-time top 50 program, go. Take out the loans. It doesn't matter. You will get the money back. But college has, for a generation, and we went to school, we were the last generation, I'm 42 years old, who went to school under this promise of just go. You just need a piece of paper. Go figure it out. You, you'll be on campus for four years, and you'll, and you'll graduate, and you'll have a degree, and that's what matters. And the costs then were low enough to do that. But right now you have an incredible problem of, of convincing young people to stay in school for four or six years and pay those costs to get a degree in communication, to get a degree in education. I mean, listen, Illinois State University, my alma mater, great teaching college, but it's $25,000 a year. You know, the, 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 the average graduation is six years. You're, you're going to go 150 in the hole at least to get a job that pays $34,000. This is the problem that all schools have. And I think that what, what happened, the reason we are not hearing the, 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 the crying and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth is because we heard all that, at least from Illinois schools, over the past year because the state of Illinois stopped paying them. And, and colleges realized that as they said, oh, my God, we're not getting money, 
more and more stories came out that pointed to the fact that we need students to pay the costs at these colleges. It's, I wrote the story when you hear these, we've got the biggest freshman class ever, dot, 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 to pay the bills. Uh, colleges have to, have to get ahead of this. And I will give credit to the folks up at Western and Macomb. They see this coming. They are going to shrink their, their, their focus, and that's what's going to have to happen. You're going to have fewer schools doing everything, more schools doing one or two things really, really well, and, and the desire is to get better, not get bigger. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. How, how long before you see schools kind of redefine themselves and see Illinois State go back to being Illinois Teachers College or, or Western B, Illinois you know, Communications College and something like that to kind of, like you said, shrink, refocus, and get lean and actually be a value to the people who go there? One of the first things that's going to happen is places like Chicago State are, are going to have to close. The 86 freshmen this year. 86 freshmen. I think I had that on the floor of my dorm at ISU my freshman year. Uh, by the way, they've got an 11% six-year graduation rate, so you do the math. Nine of those kids, maybe, will graduate. Not Nine graduates of this class of 86. Those numbers aren't, aren't sustainable. But, yeah, schools are going to have to figure out how to compete. And it's really tough. We've got 12 public university campuses in the state of Illinois. I, I, just, I don't know that that is sustainable. And, and it's, it's so different in, in Iowa or, or in Missouri or, or in Indiana or in Kentucky. You've got a lot of universities. And universities did this to themselves. Please, no one sit here and feel sorry and bake them and, and, and I'm sorry cake. Universities forgot that their job was to educate young people. And universities there for about 20 years exploded hiring more administrators hiring more professors, hiring more people. A university, and you still see this today, many universities in the state feel that their job is to be an employer for their community, to maintain a payroll. And if students are learning and graduating, that's great. If not, no big deal. That kind of thinking has to change. You are seeing this. My oldest is a senior in high school. And three or four of the, the, the young people that he goes to school with are going to go straight to a Big Ten school. Most of the rest of them, maybe it's because we're a little town, community college, a huge chunk of young people are joining the service because they're not willing to go. And, and I wasn't willing to send my kid to go get debt. I, 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 just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell my son, hey, at 19 years old, when the most sophisticated financial obligation you have is a cell phone bill, Go sign up for the tune of a mortgage so that you can go to Southern, drink beer, and chase girls. I, I, I couldn't do that, and I think a lot of other parents are, are facing the same reality. Ben Yount with us this morning on the morning meeting. Let's stick with education, but bring it down a level uh, and focus specifically on uh, Chicago. We're, what, one week away from the CPS uh, strike? How many strikes has it been in the last uh, several years? And... What about uh, uh, Mayor Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste Emanuel? What's, what's his angle for a power grab here? It, 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 can there possibly even be one? I was going to say bend over and grab his ankles, but I, I don't know that that would be his power. Uh, but, yeah, this is, this is naked thuggery. The, the school, the numbers came out yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. CPS announced that it's going to lay off a couple of hundred teachers and, and workers because they are down 14,000 students. 
14,000 students. There are 16,000 people in the city of Lincoln. And the Chicago public school teachers are demanding not just a raise, which they would get, but three raises, and to not pay more for their pensions and to not pay more for their health care. This, while the district is hemorrhaging students, state of Illinois pays schools based on the number of students that they have. So Chicago schools are going to bring in less, educate fewer kids, yet the teachers are demanding more. This is not the social justice warrior strike of 2012. This is not the, oh, my God, we're sweltering in hot buildings without air conditioning, and please, Mr. President, help us. This is the last gasp of a giant union that is trying to choke every dime out of taxpayers that they possibly can. Now, Rahm Emanuel will cave because he's not going to shut down the schools a couple of weeks before an election. But I, I don't know where we go from here. And I, I, I certainly don't think that any union is going to be happy with the way that the Chicago Teachers Union is behaving because they are ignoring reality and they are setting up, they are setting up this fight between labor and, and state government enforcing an action. And listen, it doesn't work well when you force a bunch of people in a state with 1% economic growth to pay more just because you said jump. I, I think this ends up, I think five years from now, they come back and point at this strike and say that was the point at which Chicago teachers unions killed the golden goose, and it was all downhill from there. Ben Yout, Illinois Watchdog, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Ben, uh, Paul Simon Public Policy Institute has a new poll out. They looked at Governor Rauner and at Speaker Madigan. Uh, no newsflash here. Both have uh, more disapproving of them in the state of Illinois than approve. Uh, Rauner's approval rating slightly higher than Madigan's. The bad news for Rauner, though, is that the whole state gets to vote on whether or not he keeps his job. Madigan only has to appease a tiny fraction of people in his district in order to keep his power in the state of Illinois. Uh, do these numbers mean anything prior to the election coming up? I just talked to John Jackson, who is one of the researchers who, who wrote this study. And he said that this is, this is a proxy war. And what you see here in the numbers isn't good for either Governor Rauner or Mike Madigan. I mean, again, 55% of people in the state disapprove of the job that Governor Rauner is doing, but 63% of people do not like Mike Madigan. Yeah, Madigan's not going to be unelected, but Madigan's members are on the ballot across the state. You, you take a look at, at Democratic state reps from the Burbs all the way down to southern Illinois, and the mail pieces, the, the, the television commercials, the candidates aren't going after John Bradley. They're not going after the, the, the Democratic rep that's on the ballot. They're going after Mike Madigan. And when you get outside of, of Chicago, Chicago, city of Chicago, 63% of people dislike Governor Rauner. When you get to downstate, 50% of people dislike Governor Rauner. When you look at Mike Madigan, 73% of people downstate dislike Mike Madigan. And so you, you, you get into this problem that Governor Rauner is not popular, but Mike Madigan is unpopular. He's hated. And so the key to Madigan's power is electing Democratic state lawmakers. And if this governor can knock off a lawmaker or two or three or four, and now the speaker doesn't have as much power in Springfield, that weakens Mike Madigan. You're right. 
you're right, Bruce Rauner is on the statewide ballot in a few years, and it's going to be ugly and nasty and expensive. But Mike Madigan is on the ballot in more places than just one this November, and that's why these numbers are important. All right, Ben, uh, just a matter of weeks before we get to Election Day and uh, the the world is filled, I guess the country is filled with stories about scary and creepy clowns lurking uh, to and fro. How long before a candidate frames their opponent as the creepy, scary clown? <laughs> don't don't give them any ideas. And by the way, <laughs> public service announcement from your Uncle Ben, don't shoot a clown, okay? Just uh, There was already some, some yuck, some yokel, in in tenant or in, in Kentucky, who comes out on his front porch with with a black rifle and pops off a warning shot? It was a woman walking her dog. There was some school in Nashville where like the entire freshman class went on a clown hunt. Mm-hmm. Please don't, because you're going to go to prison over a practical joke. This stuff isn't real. Clowns aren't killing people. I'm as uncomfortable around clowns as you. But please. I don't want to see you like so. The public service announcement from your uncle Ben: Don't kill the imaginary killer clowns. Ben, yeah, Illinois watchdog and purveyor of Uncle Ben's tips here on the morning meeting. Ben, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Have fun, boys. We'll wrap it up next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio nine thirty WTAD. Hey, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Secret, Squade, alongside you. Quaid, I don't know if this is uh, just damned by faint praise or if this is someone looking for a pat on the back for a job they're supposed to do. Uh, normally I wouldn't be that interested in what the Sangamon County clerk is doing, but because Sangamon County holds the state seats in Mm -hmm. Springfield, when you have these government related things, often they're looked to, to sort of set a standard or be the contact point. Uh, Sangamon County famously was one of the counties uh, in the primary that ran out of ballots. Oh, yeah, so that not right. everybody could vote. Uh, the clerk there, Don Gray, says his, offers now, his office now better situated and suited to handle the possible high voter turnout coming up on November 8th. Uh, Illinois law requires that 110% of the registered voting populace uh, be balloted. So what that fancy terms for saying is if you've got you have to over prepare by 10 percent. Mm-hmm. If you have 10 registered voters coming, you have to print off 11 ballots so that you're ready to go. Sure. The problem is when you allow same day at the poll voter registration, but that's not going to be an issue you, now. How do you prepare for that? It won't be an issue now, even though this story uh, was written before that uh, ruling was made. And it says it, it went into some extra things, but those are all moot at this point. So. You had a, a, a registration day turnout, high turnout issue in March. That's what caught a lot of people unprepared, and you won't have that now in the state of Illinois. So it's going to be much easier to prepare for. If you were somebody who was caught uh, without a ballot, that won't happen coming up in November. That's, that's at least what we're hearing now. Uh, again, circumstances are a little different uh, this time around, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully – uh, it won't. It won't be an issue. We didn't get a chance to talk with Ben about Wells Fargo versus the state of Illinois. 
Well, that was the state of Illinois going after Wells Fargo. And subsequent uh, Standard & Poor's uh, global ratings downgrade of Illinois' uh, credit rating to triple B status after the fact. So I, I don't know if uh, one was connected to the other or Illinois was trying to stave off that triple B, but we got it anyway. And that ain't for bu- 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 better. <laughs> okay, no, that's not... That's not the case. <laughs> All right, coming up, it is uh, what if fri- Frivolous Lawsuit Awareness Week or, or a Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week. One of the two, Travis Aiken will make us It'll aware party. of the details tomorrow. He will be in his element and with us coming up tomorrow right here on the morning meeting. If you missed any of it, grab the podcast, WTAD.com or wherever you get yours. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.